Good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. It is always a pleasure to see other churches in the Presbytery and just see how God is working the lives of his people just throughout this region of South Carolina. If you have your copy of God's word, please turn with me to Psalm 84 this morning. And just as you turn there, I want to remind you that this is God's holy word. It was written for the church 2,000 years ago, it was written for the church 1,000 years ago, and it was written for God's church even today. So hear now the reading of God's word written for you. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your, at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day where we get to come and hear from your word. God, we pray that you would send your spirit to be with us and work in the hearts of your people. We pray that it would conform us more and more into the image of Christ. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. There was one night in college that I will never forget. I was sitting there before class. I had class at 8 o'clock the next morning, and I was checking just to see if we had any assignments due. We didn't have anything major coming up. We, I just wanted to check to see if we had any homework due the next day. And you can imagine the horror I felt when I realized that I had an exam at 8 o'clock the next morning that I had not even started studying for. It was a rough night of studying till 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't even remember taking the test the next day. That night is why I hold that all, all syllabi should have the same warning as side mirrors. You know, Exams are closer than they appear. <laughs> Exams being closer than they appear is one thing. And in the grand scale of life, they are ultimately a very tiny thing. But what about the presence of God? Sometimes we can feel as though God is far off or distant and absent, but we know from the scriptures that could not be further from the truth. 
In fact, for God's people, his presence is a very weighty reality and one that is a source of great comfort and blessing. So as we look at Psalm 84 this morning, we'll see that because the Lord loves his people, he blesses us as we seek to be in his presence. And we'll start by looking how the Lord blesses us with strength. And we see that in verses 5 through 7. In these verses, the psalmist tells, of, tells us of a group of pilgrims that are headed to Jerusalem. They are headed to appear before the Lord their God at the temple. These are faithful believers. Their hearts are said to be highways to Zion. Their hearts are fixed upon the Lord. But on their journey to Jerusalem, they face great difficulty. And for them, this difficulty takes the name of the Valley of Baca. The Valley of Baca, when you translate Baca into English, becomes the Valley of Weeping. And it's amazing how that changes how much we can connect with these pilgrims. The Valley of Baca sounds foreign, it sounds distant, but the Valley of Weeping, that is a place that we all are familiar with, some of us all too much. Like these pilgrims, we understand what it means to face adversity as we seek to live our lives faithfully unto the Lord. We each have our own valley of weeping. We all have seasons of hardship or pain that we experience. It may not be a literal desert like it was for these pilgrims, but it could be a spiritual desert. That doesn't make it any less real, and it certainly doesn't make it any less painful. We, are, we have seasons of our lives where we seek after the Lord. We live our lives faithfully, but all we feel around us is dryness and despair, and we long for some relief from the Lord. When we are in those tough times, though, we can take heart. Because as verse 5 says, blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord. Our strength does not come from within ourselves as we go through the valley of weeping. The dryness of that wretched place will not overcome us because we are able to go from strength to strength. For these pilgrims in Psalm 84, this dry place of death becomes a place of springs for them. Even in this place of dryness, even in this place of death, these pilgrims have life. And it's not because of their own ability to draw water up from the ground, but their strength is in the Lord. They are not trusting in themselves to produce springs. They are not trusting in themselves to draw water up from the ground. Rather, they have Zion in their hearts. They have faith that the God whom they serve will strengthen his people. They are trusting that God will bless and take care of his people as they seek to live their lives faithfully unto him. Because even though they are far from the temple in Jerusalem, the Lord is pleased to dwell with his people no matter where they are, and especially as they go through the valley of weeping. That was true for God's people in the Old Testament, and that is true for God's people today. 
It is the Lord that makes your valley of weepings a place flowing with the waters of life only found in Christ Jesus. The reality of this fallen world is that hardships are going to come. We will all spend time in the valley of weeping. Know this, though, that when hard times come and you don't know if you're going to be able to make it through the day, that the Lord will be with you and that the Lord will be your strength and he will give you the strength to keep going. When flying, there is nothing more dreaded than a delay. You just sit around in the airport, staring at the ceiling, listening to 24-hour news cycle, just waiting to be back with your family, waiting to be in the presence of your loved ones, just hoping that the flight will be ready to take off to go back home. Traveling is hard enough as it is. No one wants more hardships along the way. Well, when these delays happen, under the right circumstances, the airlines will give you a food voucher. It is not a lot, but it is just enough money to go to one of the restaurants in the airport and gives you just enough sustenance to hold you over to when your flight is ready to take off. Well, I have good news for you here today. Our God does not give us a tiny voucher of strength as we seek him in our valley of weepings, but instead he gives us so much grace and so much strength that our valley of weepings, our valley of dryness become a place flowing with the springs of water that again is only found in Christ Jesus. Thinking about what this means for us, though, it means that when times are rough, it is then more than ever that we have to fight to meet with our God, because it's in those moments that we will doubt God's moment, good, moments that we will doubt God's goodness. It is in those moments that we will doubt that God is with and loves His people. There is a reason the psalmist uses an example of someone going through a hard time in this psalm. It is easy for us to believe that God is with us and is our strength when everything is going right. When everything is going according to plan, it is easy to believe that God is with us. Instead, though, we must fight the doubts that we have and make sure that we are intentionally seeking after the Lord. We must fight to make sure that we are getting in the word. We must fight to make sure that we are meeting him in prayer. Instead of believing the lies that our God has abandoned us, we must turn to God's word and prayer. These are ordinary means that God has given us, but they are ways we can grow in our relationship with God and sit at his feet even when we feel as though everything else around us is falling apart. Specifically in God's words, we God's word, we have his promises to us. When Paul was struggling, God said, My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is being made perfect in your weakness. Hold on to the promise that God's grace is sufficient for you. Trust that his power is being made perfect in your weakness. Believe Jesus' words when he promises, I will be with you until the end of the age. 
Jesus cannot go back on his promise. Jesus cannot lie. Remember these things and continue to seek to be in the presence of our God, for there you will find your strength. Just as these pilgrims make it through the valley of weeping and reach Jerusalem, each one appears before God in Zion, so too we will pass through our high t- hard times and ex- experience seasons where we get to enjoy the joys of being in the presence of the Lord. But not only are God's people strengthened in his presence, we also see that we find security in the presence of our God. And we'll see this looking back at verses 1 through 3. The psalmist opens the psalm by exclaiming the loveliness of the Lord's temple, which absolutely would have been the case. The temple would have been beautiful. We know from 1 Kings that it was made with the finest materials, the finest stone, the finest wood was brought in so that they could build the temple. The gold was covering pretty much everything on the inside. The temple was a beautiful place. But more than that, though, is where the Lord dwelt with his people. It is the very presence of God that the psalmist is longing for. His soul faints to be with the Lord his God. So why, in verse 3, does he start talking about the birds? I mean, it, it doesn't quite make sense. Yet, look at what he says about these birds. They find a home for themselves in the temple. Which is really interesting as we stop and think about that for a second. The temple was the dwelling place of God. Inside of it was the holy of holies. It was the most holy and important place on the planet at this time. And yet here are these birds making a home in it. These birds are essentially pests. These aren't noble or majestic birds like eagles or falcons. No, these are swallows and sparrows. They are small and insignificant. Yet these birds are able to call the temple of the living God their home. And the Lord, who is very aware of their presence, allows them to find a refuge in his temple. These birds get to live in a home that they are not worthy of having, a home that protects them from predators and the elements. But by allowing them to find a home in his temple, the Lord is providing security and a refuge for them where they may may lay their eggs. And there is very much a sense in which we are just like these birds. As Psalm 8 says, what is man that the Lord should be mindful of him? We are not worthy of being in the presence of God. We are not worthy of having access to the throne room of grace. We are lowly creatures formed from the dirt. We love the things we should not love, and we nearly constantly do the things we should not do. Yet even then... The Lord allows us to know him personally and to come into his presence. 
And even more, just like these birds in the presence of the Lord, we have security and protection. The Lord, our God, is a mighty fortress. He has promised to protect us from our enemies. He has promised that the gates of hell will not prevail over his church. He has promised us to take care of us under his wing. He has promised us a secure salvation in Christ Jesus that cannot be taken from us. After is not the Lord our God the good shepherd? Are we not his flock? The shepherd protects his sheep from the wolves as well as feeding them and allowing them to grow. He makes sure that the flock is flourishing and is growing, but he prevents any harm from falling upon them. And so it is with our God. So praise God that he is the good shepherd. Praise God that he is a place of comfort and safety for his people. Praise God that he protects us from evil. Even though we are lowly creatures, even though we are prone to wander like stray sheep, he still allows us to come to him and to be in his presence. For there we find our ultimate comfort and security. And again, this leads us back to the promises of God because we may not always believe that in God we can find our protection. We must fight to meet with God, though, because it is in him that we find our eternal and everlasting security. It is in him that we know that the evilness of this world will not overcome us. We must fight to hold on to the promises of God that he is our protection. Passages like Psalm 23, Psalm 46, Romans 8, even the Lord's Prayer. They are promises to us and a reminder to us that God is our protection. It is a promise, they are promises to us and reminders to us that God is not absent or distant. He is not far off, but rather he draws near to his people so that he may provide comfort and security for them. Does this mean that nothing bad will ever happen to God's people, though? Of course not. Because of sin and its corruption, all of creation is groaning. Because of sin and its corruption, we will all go through the valley of weeping. We will all go through the valley of the shadow of death. But we can take heart knowing that the Lord is with us, that his rod and staff will comfort us. We can take heart knowing that neither death nor life, nor things present nor things to come, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We have no need to worry. We have no need to fear. Our security is in the all-powerful God of the universe who rules over creation with goodness, kindness, and mercy. After all, if he is willing to take care of the birds in the air, how much more will he take care of you, his sons and daughters? The Lord blesses us with strength, the Lord blesses us with security. And as we see in verse 11, it is in the presence of the Lord that he blesses us with salvation. 
Verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Those words can also be translated, the Lord bestows grace and glory. Thinking about how the Lord bestows grace upon his people, where else can we begin with the Lord bringing us from death to life? We were dead in our trespasses and in our sins, following the prince of the power of the air, following the devil. Yet it was then that God saved us by his grace and made us alive with Christ. We were far off and distant from him. Colossians tells us that we were alienated and hostile to God. Yet even then he showed us grace. He drew us to himself, not because of anything in us, but because he loves his people and he wants us to be with him. We cannot come to the Son unless we are first drawn by the Father. But the grace that he shows us does not end at conversion. If God was so gracious to give us grace when we were far off, why would he not show us grace now that we are near? And that is why he has given his means of grace to the church. Our Westminster Confession of Faith says that God has given the church the oracles and ordinances of Christ, which by his presence and spirit are made effectual for the gathering and perfecting of his saints through grace. These oracles and ordinances, these means of grace being word, sacrament, and prayer. It is in these means of grace that God has promised to meet with his people and bestow grace upon them. But that does not mean that we are limited to meeting with our God only at church. He has given us his word so that any time of the day, day or night, we can seek to come before him and hear from him in his word. He has given us prayer so that any time of day, day or night, we, can ha we have access to the throne room of grace where we may bring our petitions before him. He did not give us these things so that we have boxes to check off of on a list. No, he has given us these miraculous yet ordinary means so that we could seek to know him personally and to come before him. And if that was all God had ever given us, then we would have no right to complain. His grace alone is more than any of us ever deserved. But how amazing is our God in that he gives us more. He bestows honor or glory, which is something that we don't often think about. But does not Paul tell us that those whom God foreknew, he predestined, those whom he predestined, he called, those whom he called, he justified, and those whom he justified, he glorified. It is a present reality that has a greater future fulfillment. Presently, we should not forget how far God has raised us above our station. As we mentioned earlier, we were lowly and formed from the dirt. Yet 
we have been united to Christ and are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. The Lord has given us the spirit of adoption and has adopted us as sons and daughters of the King. We have been given the title of co-heir with Christ. What title can bring more honor or glory than that? But if that was not enough, there is even more awaiting us. There is an eternal weight of glory awaiting us after this life where we will get to be in the presence of our God for eternity, ever singing his praises. That is why we are able to proclaim to the nations that we would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of our God than dwell in the tents of wickedness, which is an interesting contrast for us to think about. The farthest away you could be in the temple while still being in the presence of God is at the door. And the, these tents, being in the center of these tents, would have symbolized all the wealth and lavishness that this world has to offer. The psalmist is reminding us that it is better to be a lowly doorkeeper at the house of our God than dwell in the center of all that this world has to offer us. It is better to be at the very fringes of the presence of God than to be in the center of everything this world could ever dream of offering us. The grace and glory that we receive from our Heavenly Father is also the reason we are able to proclaim that a day in the house of our God is better than being anywhere else for a thousand. The briefest experience of God's presence is greater than being in the presence of anything else for the rest of eternity. It would be like someone offering to take you out to the Grand Canyon for a full 24 hours or granting you access to your very own mud pit for a thousand days. The majesty and the awe-inspiring nature of the Grand Canyon far surpasses anything that a simple mud pit has to offer. And so it is with our God. Why would we choose the mud pit of this world when we can choose to be in the presence of the all-powerful God of the universe? That is why we must fight to commune with our God. It is why we should fight to be in word, in his word, and to be in prayer. There will always be days when that snooze button is looking really tempting. There will always be days when our to-do list is looking longer than we could ever hope to get done. There will always be Sundays where we may not feel like going to church that morning. There will always be days when we think that we will get more done or maybe we're just too busy to meet with God. Maybe we'll be really rested if we get that whole nine minutes more sleep. It is so easy to not want to meet with our God. But instead, it is in those very moments where we must remind ourselves that a day and the courts of the Lord are better than a thousand elsewhere. Being in the presence of our God is 
better than anything we could ever ask for. The all-powerful God of the universe has given us ways we can meet with him on a regular basis. Why would we neglect them? What more could we ever ask for? Really, what higher good can God give you than himself? What else has he to offer than giving you himself? Yet that is what he is offering us. That is what he is offering in word and through prayer and through meeting with his people during worship. So praise God and seek to be in his presence. Praise God that being on the fringes of his kingdom is better than being at the center of our very own. May this be our prayer now, and may this be our prayer forever, that our God would, ab would abide with us, and that we would abide with our God. Because it is in his presence that we find our strength. It is in the presence of God that we have security and protection. It is in his presence that we, he bestows grace and glory. It is in his presence that we have salvation. Aren't these blessings the exact thing that the world is searching for? Are they not searching for something that makes them strong when they are weak? Are they not searching for something that gives them security? Are they not searching for some sort of salvation, the best that this life has to offer? The world searches, sometimes we search, but we do not find because these things are only found in the presence of our God. These things are only found in the presence of the Lord, our King and our God. And he gives them to us freely in Christ Jesus. Because it is in Christ Jesus whom all the promises of God find their yes and amen. It is in Christ Jesus that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So let us continue to seek after the Lord's presence let us strive to sit at the feet of Jesus. He has given us the word. He has given us prayer. He has given us the church. Not to give us things to check off of on a list so that we could be in his presence. So that he would be our God and that we would be his people. Let us pray.